0: Welcome to Hacks and Jacks, a fantasy baseball podcast. I'm Joe Galena, and as always, I'm joined by my man, Scott Chu. Scott, a little behind-the-scenes story here. This is take two of uh, this week's episode, and we're uh, doing a little uh, breakdown of the fantasy baseball shortstop position, but take two.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're the real (laughs) winner here, Joe. Because you'll get to see how much better these takes are than the ones I just gave about four or five minutes ago. I think you're, really, you're going to be really impressed with the growth I've made in the last <laughs> 30 or 40 seconds uh, to really make this. I mean, and that's what you got to do when you're an FSWA uh, finalist for right. Best Baseball Podcast. That's the kind of growth that we talk about.
0: We're only getting better episode by episode, minute by minute. We've come a long way, and we still have a long way to go, but we'll get through it together. (laughs) So so, uh, just to give uh, uh, our listeners a reference point, we're recording this episode on Tuesday, February 15th. Uh, Scott, we spoke about this. baseball still on hold due to the lockout. Uh, Universal DH, though, is a go. And uh, so we had talked about how uh, catchers like a JT Real Muto uh, take a day off here and there, but you can keep their bats in the lineup. Veteran NL players who are injury prone may need a day off or so. You keep their bats in the lineup in the NL. So I love the universal DH. I love offense. I don't know how you feel about the, the universal DH
1: yeah, I mean, as much fun as it can be to root for a pitcher to get a hit, like, they don't do it very often, famously. Right. Uh, I, I never really bought into the, oh, the strategy part's good. It's like, no, it's not. It's just like working around an out, right? Mm-hmm. It's just like having mm-hmm. a bad number nine hitter. Except, you know, yeah, it's basically like having, like, Billy Hamilton, except they weren't going to run.
2: Right. Right? right. Like, right. they
1: weren't going to get on base, and they weren't going to run. Like, that's really exciting TV. Isn't it? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These guys probably aren't going to get on base. And if they do, they're probably not going to do anything really exciting. So I'm happy about it. And I think the catcher example is a good one because that's really what you should expect from anyone who gets a lift from the DH teams. Don't not very many teams use a full-time DH. I mean, the angels, uh, the Royals did when they had Jorge Soler at times. Um, But like the days of like the Billy Butler are gone. Where the right. the full time DH, the you know those those players don't really exist much anymore, right? There's Nelson mm-hmm. Cruz, but he's sort of like the end of an era of the always a DH,
0: right? Even JD Martinez played some outfield last season.
1: Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> they, they, they find ways teams really value that kind of versatility, Uh so that's what you're going to see. You take a guy who you thought was going to get like two thirds of the at bats and make it like three fourths. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, because now he's gonna get a couple days to play DH. That's the change you should make. What you shouldn't be doing is like massive changes for anybody, because this is mostly just gonna give platoon guys an extra couple of plate appearances a week.
0: Right. Okay. So let's dive right into the uh, fantasy baseball shortstop position. Uh, you've got your rankings in, and we're not all gonna talk about your rankings, but the strategy. Behind those rankings, and uh, I really love the conversations we've had uh, last week at doing the second base position. Prior to that, we broke down the first base position. If you missed those episodes, listen uh, listen to them uh, on demand. To uh, download them, because uh, I think it's really worthwhile. But uh, you know, Scott, I'm in the middle of a a mock draft uh, for the TG FBI League. We spoke about the TG FBI League uh, last. Week to 15 team league, and uh, with a bunch of uh, people from the pitcher list staff. And, you know, we keep on talking about how deep the shortstop position is, but, uh, you know, every fantasy position, no matter how deep it is, eventually. It's not as deep anymore, and I found that out while doing this mock draft. Uh, I I, I waited too long before I took my uh, fantasy shortstop, and now uh, the options left to me, Scott, uh, Adalberto Mondesi, Dansby Swanson, Willie Adamas, Brandon Crawford, Ahmed Rosario, Brendan Rodgers. I mean, nice players, but not the elite no, they're
1: not the elite and they're not close. That's the thing about shortstop. It is both deep and top heavy. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is this tier of players that go in the first, you know, first there's the guys that go in the first five picks. There's like three of them, right? With Tatis, Turner, and Bobichette. But then there's a bunch of guys that still go in like the top 50, 60 picks. Mm-hmm. And then there's everyone else in a sense right like yes some are better than others obviously but what we're talking about is a bunch of guys with an outside shop to crack the top 12 right like there's you know every year we like to do a thing where it's like oh yeah take a guy who's being drafted outside the top 10 or 15 of the position and have him finish in the top five right or the top three right just at his position and You can sort of do it at shortstop, but you also kind of can't, right? The only reason you can do it is because the 10th guy being taken at shortstop is still in like the top 50 picks. Right. So because they're so jam packed, you don't have to worry about it too much. But, you know, at some point there's, there's this big drop off and we'll talk about it as it comes up, uh, as we naturally go through the, the progressions, but you get to a point where the upside is just like star, like starkly different. Mm -hmm. and it's probably as we talk about it i think you know just to tease a little here once you start getting into tier three and four right tiers three and four are are still very very good players but like that's where the guys that we talk about late like oh they have upside like what if they you know what if they break out that's where they'll end up like tiers one and two are pretty much what they're gonna be and Mm -hmm. if anything changes it's guys going from tier like the Guys that are currently in like a tier three, like a Francisco Lindor or a Corey Seager or a Carlos Correa who's in tier four um, or Bobby Witt taking a step and moving up into mm-hmm. tier like three or the back end of tier two.
2: Right. But
1: again, let's be clear. Like my tier two goes through like the top eight of the position, but that's still guys like Marcus Semyon, Tim Anderson, and Trevor Story.
0: Right. Like
1: that's, that's the second tier, but like in any other position, that's a, that's like a first tier.
0: Right. So like you mentioned your top tier, your top three, you mentioned Fernando Tatis, Trey Turner, Bo Bichette. And, you know, we spoke about this in our last episode last week, we kind of touched upon it, but you and I kind of have a a difference in opinion uh, in terms of Tatis. Now for me uh, in a redraft league, uh, I'm not. I'm not taking him because of that chronic issue with his shoulder, where it keeps on popping out of its sa- uh, socket. Right um, now, you know, when he does play, he's awesome. He's incredible. But the issue with me is my first round pick. I, I, I me personally, I can't take a chance at knowingly taking a player who has a. A pre-existing condition at the start of the season and uh, has the opportunity where he might miss weeks. But when he comes back, of course he's awesome, but I, I, I can't take the chance of him possibly missing weeks or him re-injuring that shoulder so bad that he's done for the season. And if he does need surgery, uh, they're saying that it would be a five month recovery.
1: Yeah. And let's be clear about what we're talking about here. We're not talking about a guy who has missed a lot of time. It's a guy who could miss time because he didn't miss that much time. He had two like minimum IL stints for the shoulder and one for like COVID. Uh, but he still played like 130 games. And this is something he's been managing since he was in the minor leagues. Mm-hmm. You know This, this was a thing where it came out that he had aggravated it. And that is a serious thing. But it's not as though this is some new injury it's the same injury he's been managing for most of his professional career, at least up here in the States. Mm -hmm. So that's for me why like I'm not as worried about it. I'd say the biggest thing that happens is if I have 1.1, it means I'm taking Fernando Tatis Jr. And I'm probably pushing like Max Muncy down my rankings a bit Mm -hmm. because I have taken on some injury risk, but not enough to like make me pick someone else instead. And for the folks in your position, Joe, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you because like, they're all very good players, blah, blah, blah. I'd say the real question is what if you're picking fourth? What if you're picking fifth? What if you're picking sixth? Who is the last player you would take ahead of Fernando Tatis Jr.? I think that's the question you really have to ask yourself. And I think for a lot of us, it's one guy, right? Like it's Trey Turner. Mm-hmm. There's Turner Tatis, but that might be different for you. Not so much at shortstop, maybe. I mean, you could make the Bichette argument all about the injury risk, but what you're really looking at is a, a guy who is the best right now. I mean, he is just what he is. He's, he's the best, especially when he plays, other than maybe Shohei Otani. And you're worried about future time. You're worried about mm-hmm. something that could happen that hasn't
0: happened yet. And not even oh, like he. I mean, it, it happened a couple of times last season, and like you said, they were surprisingly rather short stays. I, I think he only was on the IL once, and then I think he missed some other time uh, with the shoulder injury. But I don't think he re- uh, went on the IL um, for the shoulder more than once. But and also, you mentioned he had the COVID issue. Um, it's just to to take that kind of a risk. With my first-round pick, it's just me, my my aversion to risk. Um, now, in a, in a DFS league, if I could fit his salary in a DFS lineup, he's in there every day because, like you said, when he does play, he's incredible. And uh, I'm looking at how many different players have been taken first overall in NFBC leagues, and it's four, five, six, six different players Have been taken number one overall in NFBC league. So you're right. You know what do you do uh, once you get to that fourth fourth pick? Right. I mean because there are so many great options. You know in the top six, seven picks. There's five
1: shortstops, or sorry, six shortstops who have gone one or two Mm -hmm. in in drafts. Right. I'm sorry. uh, Hitters. Right. There's hitters. That's how many hitters go there. Like we we have a ton of like, it's really top heavy on the hitters. There's, there's not like in years past where there's been the pitcher. Do you mm-hmm. lead with the pitcher? You know, because DeGrom has health issues, you know, stuff with Garrett Cole, that's gone now. Like the mm-hmm. whole f- top half of the draft is, uh, hitting, hitting, hitting. Yes. Garrett Cole has been taken as early as three, but his ADP is like eight and a half for drafts that have happened this month. So, it's just not the same. It's going to be really heavy on on hitting. It's going to be heavy on shortstops specifically, right? Mm-hmm. Because three of the top five players in ADP are shortstops. You can you can have those thought experiments. I think they're really important because those are weird picks to have. It's also a pretty good lesson that like, there's no need to pick first this year. There's really not because Tatis has gone fourth. Like, more than once, probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, you know, Jose Ramirez has gone anywhere from 2 to 7. Juan Soto, 1 to 8. Right. Right? Vlad Guerrero Jr., 2 to 10. Like, that. that's a huge range of picks for players of that caliber. So, if there's anything I learned sort of from the top of the shortstop, it's less of, like, how I'm attacking shortstop, and more of, like, if I have KDS or get to pick my draft spot, I got no need to be over at number 1. I love, you know, I love Tatis, and, like, that's great if I get number 1. But I think you know there's so, it's so much talent at the top. Yes, again, Turner and Tatis particularly, and Ronald Acuna, fully healthy, have this tier that no one else can get to in Roto because of the steals. But in head to head, it there's no need to pick before fifth, sixth, seventh. Mm-hmm. There's a really good player there, and the stolen bases don't matter as much in head to head category leagues. Yeah. Or points. Points, it's even messier. There's tons of players to take there, and you probably end up with Soda.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so uh, why don't we take a look at the second tier? A lot of talent in this second tier there, Scott. Uh, you uh, listed uh, Xander Bogarts as your fourth uh, best shortstop, followed by Tim Anderson at five, Travis Story six, Simeon seven, Wanda Franco eight, and that rounds out tier two. Um, you went a little higher, a little higher on uh, Bogarts uh, than uh, other uh, rankings. NFBC, for, for instance, they have him as seventh. Um, what do you love about Bogarts? Uh,
1: ev- everything. Yeah, except- what is
0: there not to love? Right? <laughs> well,
1: like he doesn't he doesn't run that much. Mm. Like that's it. I guess, like he, the the power hasn't gone back to kind of what we saw in 2019 when right. he hit the 33 home runs, but played 144 games. He had another 23 home runs. I mean, a lot of projection systems like him for 25 ish, right? He's going to hit for a real high batting average, right? Like last three does, seasons, yeah. 309, 300,
2: 295,
1: mm-hmm. uh, you know, ignore the fact that that's a downward trend because it's not really you know he's he's just really really strong four straight seasons of a 130 wrc plus or better he plays like every single day this was actually uh other than his debut year he he tied uh a 162 game season his lowest number of games played was 140 it's 144
2: mm-hmm.
1: right it's uh one of the lowest plate appearance totals he's had in his career because it was 603 <laughs> it's the guy plays he plays mm-hmm. and plays and plays and plays and plays. uh he does steal some bases and and I think the thing about stolen bases this year, yes, it's always you know they're a they're a rare commodity, blah blah blah. Don't overlook the guys that chip in those five to seven stolen bases right. Those stolen bases all add up. <laughs> five to seven's a whole lot different than zero. How mm-hmm. many leagues had real roto points decided? multiple roto points decided by five to seven stolen bases? They matter. It's mm-hmm. not zero, so it's not yeah. like he has no speed. It's that he has only a little. Yeah. And when you look at like the fantasy relevant players, like five to seven is pretty good. It's like average.
0: Yeah, it's that, not. Yeah. A,
1: it's not a big negative.
0: Yeah, his ceiling, I, I'd say, is up to ten. You know, yeah, we've, like you we've said seen it Yeah, yeah. He stole
1: eight in the shortened season. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he did. So, so I, those those are the things that, you know, you think about, but got like, if you look at ADP, this isn't a separate tier. There's not like two tiers here. There's one, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's two, like the way I would do it. But if I was to like, make this feel like the tier breaks in other positions, this would be like tier two and tier two and a half uh, that that we're seeing with you know, like tiers two and three, as mm-hmm. opposed to a proper, like, Oh, the definite, definitely, definitely a hard tier break. No one could ever convince me that these guys in tier three are, you know, shouldn't be taken before these guys in tier two because they, they could, I, I just, I never will. Right. But someone could a reasonable person might.
0: Well, every one of these guys in your tier two, um, and I, and I get what you're saying, you know, tier uh, 2.5. They're very close. I I get it. Uh, But every one of these guys could be your starting shortstop on your fantasy team. But let's uh, talk for a minute about Trevor Story, who's a free agent. We don't know where he's going to go. You know, coming off a bit of a a subpar season, in part due to injuries, and that that could be just like, you know, wondering uh, where he was going to end up. You know, sometimes some players like in their contract year, they just eat it up and they just, you know, perform others. It just gets in their head. Uh, What do you think about Trevor's story? And are you worried about where he lands in terms of what his production, how it's going to affect it?
1: Hopefully we saw enough of Nolan Arenado to know that you're not just your road stats when you leave course. There's been plenty of good work done on this. Mike Petriello over at uh, MLB Network. I mean, he's done good He's done good work on this. Like everybody, they've talked about it. There's a big challenge to playing in Coors because the ball moves differently every time you go home in a road, right? And it's significant. It's not like a little bit. It's like balls move inches different based on the elevation, the same pitches. So it's hard to adjust. It's even hard to go back because if you're – You know, if your muscle memory thinks that ball is going to be two inches lower and you swing at that, I mean, that's a, that's a pop out or you might even miss, right? Depending on how badly you, you know, you miss on the swing. So you gotta, you gotta take that with a grain of salt. So like, don't fall into the trap of, oh, he's just his road stats. Like, I'm not that worried about Trevor's story. There's a reason I rank him where I did. It's because he's going to hit, he's going to run anywhere he goes, his bat plays everywhere. Um he has strong plate discipline. Like there's nothing he can't do. Why wouldn't he? Right? Like why wouldn't he succeed anywhere else? Well his batting average will probably drop.
0: Well it definitely I wouldn't will, expect- in my opinion. Yes. Yeah,
1: and there's mm-hmm. there are parks where his home run numbers could change a mm-hmm. bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can actually use Statcast to kind of figure that out. Um to see like what parks had like the biggest influence on his expected home run totals. But other than that Like, there's just not that much to worry about here. Like, at at his talent level, like, he's just good, Mm -hmm. right? Like, if I'm worried about Trevor Story, then I should be really worried about Marcus Simeon. Because I know where he went, and it's not an environment that's conducive to hitting. He went to a pitcher-friendly park uh, on a team that, you know, has those... Remember? I don't remember what year it was. You remember when the Marlins went and got, like, uh, they went and got a shortstop and they got, they got like, they bought a team, bought a closer. <laughs> they bought like a whole team and then sold it all at the deadline.
0: Uh, Well, after they won the world series, right? They bought the team, they won the world series and then just broke the team apart. No, 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 they they, no? Did, it, you talking they about did it again. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know they did it more than once. Yeah. Yeah. So like to me, there's,
1: there's like that, that feel in Texas of they are trying to buy a team and that like never works except for like the i guess the rams <laughs> went yeah. on a quarterback and won a super bowl uh but but like that's that's going from jared goff to matt stafford right mm-hmm. uh trevor story is leaving the best environment for hitting but he's probably not going to the worst one he's probably yeah. going to one that's in the middle because most of them are Yeah, so i'm not worried I say all that. Just say I'm not worried about where he goes. It doesn't really matter unless something really squirrely happens where he's not hitting in the middle of the lineup. But what like what team is that? The all-star team?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm with you. The guy is is super talented, but I do think that his production will be affected slightly. I'm thinking maybe, you know. 25 to 30 home runs instead of the 30 plus that we're usually uh, expecting from him. Yes, he's going to steal his share of bases, you know, could be 20. That's what, you know, we've come to expect from him. And the batting average, like, you know, 303 at home, 241 on the road for his career. You know, it's going to be affected. You know, maybe 270, 275 this year, but still, uh, you know, a lot of production coming out of him, but, uh, you know, Kareem always rises to the top and the guy's super talented, you know, a five tool uh, player. So uh, you mentioned Marcus Simeon, you know, we, I, we talked about him, uh, at the second base uh, episode that we did in terms of uh globe Life field being a little bit more pitcher friendly. So, you know, I don't think he's going to hit 40 home runs this year.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe not. Mm -hmm. Right. Um. He's had a weird journey here at the end of his career. I'm still willing to rank Marcus Simeon very well, Mm -hmm. obviously. Right. Like, you know, what's weird is he's actually the only player in my top. I think it's 19. That's over the age of 30. Wow. (laughs) He's the (laughs) only one. That's the state of the position right now. Like my whole ranks though. My whole top 30 has one two, three, four, five players that are 30 or older. Hmm. Marcus Semion, Eugenio Suarez, Chris Taylor, uh, Brandon Crawford, and Gio Urshela. Hmm. That, it, it's wild. It's a crazy young position. Uh, and of course, the youngest guy is the next one in my ranks, in yeah, yeah. Wander Franco, uh, at 21 years old. Uh, he is the youngest. He's actually hes younger than Bobby Witt. Uh, I believe he's, yeah, he's younger than O'Neal Cruz. Hmm. Uh, he's, he's crazy young. Uh, that's like sort of one of the weird things about baseball versus football that the players that come out aren't all the same age or even that close mm-hmm. in age. Uh, <laughs> you can be a rookie and still be a lot older, right? Cause Jake Cronenworth was sort of a rookie and he's 28. Yeah. Juan De Franco's oh, yeah. 21,
0: but, and as good as advertised, obviously. Right. I mean, uh, and he just got better as the season wore on, you know. Yeah,
1: he, he like struggled kind of in the beginning, and then yeah.
0: didn't yeah, want to struggle anymore. Seven games, so he batted two twenty with a the two eighty three OBP and a three forty nine uh, slug, and then he finished the season in his final forty three games, three thirty one, three eighty eight, five thirty five triple slash, took his K rate lowered it from 20.8 in those first 27 games to 6.4. So great contact just, rate. Just love it when someone is as good as advertised, right? Uber prospect. Just, yeah. The the best, the best to hit tool. Mm-hmm. Like Vlad
1: Guerrero Jr. is the only other like 80 grade hit tool I've ever, like I've heard people talk about.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but like Wander Franco has it. That's why he's barely striking out. Like he's, he's a monster. He's, he's got the plate discipline and and talent of like Juan Soto, except he's, he is faster and he's a shortstop. Right. Right. And they're about the same age,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but uh, yeah, I mean, Wander Franco, I, I really want to draft him and I won't be able to, because someone <laughs> will always take him before me, but right. it's not because I don't like him, mm-hmm. but it's because somebody loves him. And you know, something I do when I look at a player I go and look at their max pick. I don't ever say I'm out on a player unless I see their max pick and say, I wouldn't do that either. Right? Like I would take him later than every other draft that's happened in the NFBC. Uh, that's not the case with Wander Franco. It's just that I'm far enough in the back end, like probably around pick 60 or so, because the number of players in that range that I kind of like that I'm never going to get him. Mm. But That's okay. But like I, I know that I, I want to, I just can't go higher than that. And I also know also that I'm not out on him. He's not just off my radar. Right. Because he has gone later than that. So it is it is important to me that folks like really think about think about those things. I mean, in the one draft I've been in, in NFBC, he actually went 32nd instead of his ADP of 56 or 57. Right? He went 32nd that that's just the way that's the way it moves around.
0: Yeah. In this mock that we're doing, it's a 15-teamer, but uh he oh, went in the third round, the uh, third pick in the third round. So that would yeah. be uh, like a fifth round in a 12-teamer, right? Yeah. Which is rounds.
1: which is by by eight so like by ADP, Wander Franco is 10th at 56.93. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Um where he went in years puts him all the way back to seventh because that's mm-hmm. like a round where Xander Bogart's go like his ADP is 46. But again, the range is still big, the range. And especially in this particular tier, you see this big range because a bunch of these guys are very similar in terms of what the fine like what the projections are going to be for that final number. Mm-hmm. Like their final dollar value will be very similar. And when you're in Yahoo's game, where there's only one shortstop and one second base spot and no middle infield that you have to fill, you're going to see a couple of these guys, I think, slip a lot later than they should and get towards those max picks. And if anything, I'm going to try to make sure I have some roster flexibility and that I don't jam up. I don't usually care about jamming up utilities early in the draft, but at least try to keep one open through my first 75 picks. Mm-hmm. Which shouldn't be difficult. That's only like four to six players. I shouldn't need to fill both utility spots in four to six players.
0: Right. All right. This next tier I, I find very interesting because it's got uh, some players that, uh, you know, we've all got questions about. I mean, uh, it starts off with uh, Javier Baez, uh, ninth, uh, going to be playing for your Tigers, followed by his buddy, uh, Francisco Lindor, 10th. And then you have Corey Seager at 11th, and uh, the tier is rounded off with Jorge Polanco uh, as your 12th shortstop. So, um, you know, Javier Baez, we know what he is, and, and I think we spoke about him uh, in previous podcasts. Free swinger, good power, good speed, finished the season strong with the Mets last season. In his last 47 games with the Mets, uh, put up a 299, 371, 515, triple slash. You uh, had expressed some concerns about him playing in Detroit's Comerica Park. But obviously, if you rank them ninth, you're not too concerned.
1: Yeah, like concerned is a strong word for that. I think that it could impact his home run numbers Okay, because it's a big ballpark, Mm -hmm. right? But remember that Javi Paez in max exit velocity is 98th percentile. He still absolutely obliterates the baseball when he gets his bat on it. Just crushes it, right? Like the batting average obviously could use a lot of work, but he he's still a plus. Like he's still a plus defender. He's still fast. He still hits the ball really hard. So that's enough to get him ranked in sort of this this range, right? And it's not mm-hmm. so Statcast like thinks he's a fraud. You know, they actually it has supports the a lot of the numbers he had uh that he had last season and when he played he was good he he stole bases he hit for power the batting average was bad but it wasn't catastrophic you know uh mm-hmm. the obp was real bad because he doesn't walk he just doesn't have any interest in it and yes he's striking out over 30 percent of the time now
0: one two three strikes you're out one two three strikes you're out, one, two, three strikes, you're out.
1: Uh, but because he's he still has that plus bat speed, and because he still has plus foot speed, he's you know he set a he set you know he was at thirteen point four percent barrel rate. Yes, he again, yes, he's striking out a lot, but he's still doing good things with the bat. Mm-hmm. He can he can still be very very productive even with the bad plate discipline. And ultimately, plate discipline isn't a stat in most leagues, right. <laughs> OBP is to an extent, batting average is to an extent, but like swinging strike rate isn't a stat in your league. And is it troubling that he has a high swinging strike rate? Yes. And for most players, that'd be a concern. But like he's shown that he, this is the type of player that he is and he can be successful that way.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So let him, let him be and stop, you know, stop making him fit your little archetype of what a good player has to be.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eventually, I mean- yes,
1: it'll fall apart. We know. We know yeah. because eventually the body's going to lose that extra, you know, 15th of a second that Baez has that the rest of us don't. Right. It, that he can make adjustments that the rest of us can't make. And eventually that'll go away. But it hasn't yet. In fact, he was as good as ever.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. The whole fantasy fantasy baseball community f- for years now has been just waiting for those strikeouts to catch up. Uh, to his production, but he's still putting up a decent batting average. And Like I mentioned, really finished the season strong, batting 299 in his last 47 games for the Mets. And speaking of the Mets, his buddy Francisco Lindor, you rank him 10th. Uh, NFBC has him as the eighth shortstop going off the board. Fantasy Pro's consensus ADPs has him going as the eighth shortstop going off the board. Um, you know, strikeout rate's gone up. Three straight seasons for him. WRC Plus down for three straight seasons. Uh, power metrics are still there. He put up some big power numbers in September. Um, you know, had a, a very, very, very slow start to the last season. Um, you know, 288 batting average in his first five seasons. Batted 240 over his last two. Uh, never great batting average against breaking stuff, but the bottom really fell out the last two seasons. Batted 184 against breaking stuff so
1: yeah it's it's really weird too because when i went when i went to the rolling charts mm-hmm. for you know for lindor i expected a big like a a very visible thing i expected this big like dip or something it's not there the the it's not there it doesn't look like much it just looks smaller mm-hmm. right right his highs aren't as high. I mean, his lows aren't as low either. But I don't know. Like, it's weird. It, you If you look at it, it's almost like he's just been slowly refining the range of outcomes that he's capable of. And the problem is, it's not going in the direction I want it to go.
0: Right. Because When 20- you say refined, I, I, I think positive. But they unfortunately, it, it hasn't been positive.
1: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know... Stat cast again suggests that he wasn't that far off from his like 2019 self.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, But he, he is still a little bit of a different player. The batting average isn't quite the same. He's not able to to do that. and I don't think it's just because of this like mildly elevated strikeout rate. But I guess we'll see at the end of the day. He's still, you know, he's going to play every single day. Cause he's fantastic defensively mm-hmm. and he's still, he's disappointing for yeah, fantasy, I mean, but again, like,
0: $300 million. They're not going to sit him.
1: He's well, no, because he's been disappointing for what he's worth, but like, he's still objectively a good major league shortstop, mm-hmm. right? A real good one. Yes. So it's not going to like, uh, you just temper, temper your expectations and move on. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, yeah. he can do better than he did last, last season. 'cause he can oh, yeah. play I don't think he
0: will. Yeah. You know, I'm a firm believer that uh, you know, I mentioned it before, the cream rises to the top. I mean, maybe he's not going to be a, a, a 290 hitter anymore, but uh it's probably not going to be a, 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 you know, a, a 220 hitter either, and he gives you the power, gives you a stolen bases as well. Um you know, uh, is he somebody that you would draft? You know, depending on if it makes sense for you in terms of his value, uh, you know, if he's available and a draft. I mean, he's well, not on your do not draft list, is he?
1: Oh, let's let's do that. Let's do that thought process live, right? Right now, his max. We're going to do it live, live, live. Except it's a pre-recorded podcast, so it's not at all live <laughs> right. for anybody except for you and me.
0: Right. But We're recording I'm selfish. This, uh, that February fifteenth, by the way.
1: Yeah, yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, drafts in February. He's never gone later than pick 27.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: His ADP is 48.41. So let me go see like what players are around pick 70 or so, right? That's, that's who I would be theoretically considering in the alternative. So in pick 70 or so, we're looking at, uh, Nolan Arenado, Lance Lynn, Logan Webb, Jose Altuve, Ryan Presley, Jorge Polanco, Corey Seager, Edwin Diaz. And I ranked him higher than Jorge Seager. Polanco or Corey Seager. Yep. So yes, yes, I'm mm-hmm. still in.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I mean, the draft I was in, he went around pick like 50 something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm probably not in in that range. Uh, but that's around where I've like, well, I might be in. It's around where I've ranked him. I just I tend to look at other positions at the same time. Um, I actually because I rank and because I rank Javi Baez ahead of Lindor, they're jo- both generally going at like very very similar times. I usually mm-hmm. end up with Baez instead.
0: Right. You're a yeah, man. I mean, and he's a tiger.
1: I mean, technically, like Wander Franco's ADP is worse, right? So mm-hmm. I rank Frank like Wander Franco ahead. So like while I'm not technically out on Lindor, effectively I am. Because right. I rank players with uh, higher ADPs ahead of him, mm-hmm. so it's likely that he'll be gone before he'd be at the top of my list. But we've seen that there are realities where that doesn't happen, and I'm aware of them. I know what that looks like, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm watching. I'm watching my league mates' rosters. Don't forget mm-hmm. to do that, especially in Yahoo, where there's not very many hitters that they need to roster. Once they get that shortstop, they're not like they're very unlikely to take another shortstop-only player, especially if they've already got one or two of their utilities, Mm -hmm. right? They're going to keep focusing on positions of need, and if you're a little more open than that, you know, you if you're a little more, you know, you're willing to to play it a little looser than that, like you can see where those values come up. It's because everyone else is focusing just on position, and you're like, well, you know, he's he's not my best short; he's not the best shortstop on my roster, but. He's, he is the best hitter available. I'll take him. He should be starting for somebody somewhere. And if it's in a utility spot for you, it's in a utility spot. I think he's going to be a value or at least one of these guys, you know, I I'm really wanting to leave drafts with someone in these first three tiers. I have a, I have a contingency if that doesn't happen, but I'd really prefer to have someone in the first two tiers, maybe the first, well, even the first three, because I'm okay with Javi or like, you know, Jorge Polanco. Mm -hmm. Tier four is okay too, but then I start getting nervous.
0: Right. Well, uh, you you end up uh, tier three, like I said earlier, with Corey Seager and Jorge Polanco. Are you as concerned with the ballpark uh, for Corey Seager as you are with Marcus Simeon?
1: Uh, Corey Seager doesn't try to hit as many home runs as Simeon does. Uh, Corey Seager is kind of more of just like a batting. Like he does more batting average stuff and like spraying the ball around and that kind of, that kind of play style. So I'm less concerned because it wasn't really a huge part of his game before anyway. Mm -hmm. Like, he can go to this other park and still display similar power that he showed in LA. Cause it's not like that's a super home run friendly ballpark either. So I, I think that it works. I am not as concerned, but also like he doesn't have the same level of talent. So while I'm less concerned, I like still rank him behind for him because he's just, he's also just not as good.
0: <laughs> right. Right. I think he'll hit for a higher average than Simeon, you know, fewer home runs, probably maxes out at twenty-five. Not gonna steal. And also, let's face it, I mean, health has been an issue for him uh over his career. Seager. Yeah, it really has. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's older than you think because he
1: this is gonna be his age twenty-eight season, and that's not old, right? I'm mm-hmm. older than that. Uh, but it's interesting just because it feels like he's still this like super young player. Mm-hmm. but I mean he's gonna be in Texas a long time that's a 10 year 325 million dollar deal yeah right uh I think the the projections are all pretty good except again it is weird to me that they keep projecting him to like set career highs in like most stats
2: mm.
1: uh because he just hasn't played that much but he's played at a really high level for his last 147 games. 31 home runs. I mean, it's hard to argue with what he's been doing. Right. I guess I'm just not a believer in it as much, but Hey, what do I know?
0: Yeah. Also, it doesn't help us fantasy wise, but had that huge playoffs when the world, uh, when the Dodgers won the world series a couple years back.
1: He's, he's been an extreme example of really good when he plays, never plays.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Um, So let's move over to the tier that, you said kind of scares you a little bit. Tier four starts off with Carlos Correa at number 13, followed by Willie Adamas at 14. Jazz Chisholm, which we spoke uh, about uh, last week, at 15, because he's a uh, second base eligible as well. And uh, finishes off with Bobby Witt Jr., uber prospect for the Royals at number 16. So what what uh, worries you about, about this tier or anyone in particular that uh, is concerning to you?
1: Yeah, this tier is really weird because it really kind of calls out some of the stuff that matters in like the NFBC that won't matter to you in a Yahoo League
2: mm-hmm.
1: or like a CBS League or an ESPN League, and it's things like Bobby Witt Jr. Like Bobby Witt Jr. is just way off my radar in Yahoo Leagues and even like ESPN Leagues because I I just you don't need to hold it. The the rosters aren't so deep that you need this guy. I the the hype is wild to me. Like I do think he could be very good. I just don't see why there's any need for the Royals to like use him that much. It's assuming a lot of success. Um, for again a guy who probably isn't like he's gonna play, but I just don't think he's gonna play as much. But again, I get it. Right. Bobby Witt is this like twenty twenty upside guy? Yeah, it's it's five hard when potential. yeah yeah I mean when Steamer comes out and gives you like twenty four home runs and eighteen stolen bases, it's it's hard you know not to be excited about the kid, mm-hmm. but I also think that's really aggressive.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So that's I me love like the I, fact
0: that uh, when he got promoted to Triple A, he started last season in Double A, batted two ninety five. Uh, didn't really skip a beat when he got promoted to AAA, played 62 games in A, and still maintained a, a decent K rate at 22 and a half. So, um, yeah, but I'm with you. I mean, I guess it, we're not 100% sure that he's going to start the season in the major leagues. He probably will, to tell you the truth, but I guess it depends uh, what happens with this collective bargaining agreement and, and how that uh, affects, uh, you know, teams – promoting their players early or not, right?
1: Yeah, and it's funny because it may I make it sound like I'm so out on Bobby Witt Jr., but there have been drafts that have happened where he goes at a place I'm comfortable, right? His min pick is 152. There mm-hmm. are draft rooms that I'll be willing to take him, but for example, this particular draft that I was in, um Bobby Witt Jr. went pick 75. Uh by comparison, Jorge polanco went 84. Carlos Correa went 111.
0: how many teams was this draft
1: this is a or? this was a 12. Mm-hmm. okay and so that's several rounds that you can wait and that's a lot of upside that has to get cashed in mm-hmm. to to still be like a good pick there and I just am not sure I see that happening. Uh, I'm not sure that he can be that, like, heck, even that consistent if he comes up. So I'll take one of the other risks, right? Like, you know, Carlos Correa is a risk uh, for health, but he's obviously capable of being a big time player. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a lot of good places he could still end up.
0: Sure. So, What's your um, guess, by the way? Where do you think he ends up?
1: Oh, I have no idea. I think he goes heart, back to
0: the Astros, man. man
1: really it's a good, it's a good yeah. fit. I yeah. was like, there's a part of me that still just like wants to go full evil overlords <laughs> and just have Detroit get him too. <laughs> and just like put Javi at second, make it work. Mm-hmm. Back when they actually have done, there's precedent when they lost Victor Martinez for the season way back in the early two thousands, they decided, oh well, I guess we'll just go sign or we'll go uh we'll go acquire Prince Fielder then. Mm-hmm. And they did, <laughs> yeah. So it it worked out, but yeah, I yeah he like... has a
0: history with AJ Hinch, the Tigers' manager. You know, so yeah.
1: yeah, So so that's there. But I mean, when you get back to Bobby Witt again, good play discipline. Every, I mean, he's got all the stuff you you want to see, right? He can strike out a little more than you'd like, uh, which isn't great. You know, twenty two and a half percent in AAA isn't bad. That's going to probably look more like in the in like the mid to upper 20 percentages in the major leagues. I'm surprised that places like zips project a lower strikeout rate in the majors than in, than he had in triple a or double (laughs) a or double a, but I mean, that's cool. Like I I love the projection systems, but it's worth looking at those things, Mm -hmm. right? Like, is he really going to have a better strikeout? Like, do I really buy what steamers saying and that he'll have a lower strikeout rate than he had in double a AA and triple a because he's never seen breaking balls like this. Mm-hmm. Right. He's never. I mean, that's, that's an adjustment. can he make it immediately? Absolutely. Sure. He could, but like, that's not something I like to bet on in a 12 team league. No. I mean, he, I, I have to have all like, he can't be my first shortstop, like my first shortstop eligible player.
0: No, I he's agree amazing- with you. Yeah.
1: That, like that's the thing he can't be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where, like when I say I'm starting to get nervous, it's because there's guys, we're now getting to a tier where there's guys where I say that cannot be the first shortstop I take.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Bobby Witt Jr. is one of those shortstops. He cannot be the first shortstop I take. Which is funny because there are players taken after him that I'm okay with if that ends up being my shortstop. Right. Which sounds counterintuitive because I rank Bobby Witt higher. But that's because that's a very specific scenario where I don't have a shortstop. I can't spend the earlier pick on a Bobby Witt Jr. because I need some stability, right? Like I can't rely on a guy who I, do, I have no idea if he's going to play. Yeah,
0: but also uh, let's face it. I mean, you could be uh, have a, as great a pedigree uh, as as Witt has. And, and we've seen players with as much talent as him get sound – down to the minors after a month in the majors right and then i mean you know, he
1: didn't get sent down but like vlad guerrero jr this wasn't you know 2021 was not his rookie year right right like it's it's that kind of thing so again bobby wood jr i wait i'd rather wait 30 picks and get to the next tier and mm-hmm. look at a guy that i really like like willie adamas Mm-hmm. who did a lot of really good things in milwaukee i, yeah. I like that park he was not hitting well in in the trop which is like the worst Said he couldn't ball see park the ball yeah it's like the worst ballpark i've ever been to, yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. ever been to. Mm-hmm. um and he was terrible there he was very good in wisconsin and while i don't think he has a realistic shot at cracking the top 10 unless a lot of weird things happen he could definitely like why can't willie adamas be as good as jorge polanco he kind of was, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> like, like after he went to the Brewers, he kind of was that good.
0: Yeah. So like, he, why not? Yeah. He, he could. Again. He, he was batting 197 until the trade. He had a 35.9% K rate. Then from May 22nd on, cut that K rate down to 25.4 and batted 285. So yeah. May, and, May 22nd, yeah. I'm guessing that's the date he was traded? I believe so, yeah.
1: Yeah. So- I mean, it's just, again, worth noting that like from that time he played really, really well mm-hmm. from that time that he went over, he was excellent. And why can't he be as good as some of those guys? Like, no, he won't run like those guys run, but he could very well put up the same kind of like offense, like offensive numbers as other top ish guys. Right. Mm-hmm. We actually saw this. If you look at last season from May 22nd on, you look at weighted runs created plus where's Willie Adamas. He's fifth, right? He's ahead of Boba mm-hmm. He has 135. He's behind Tatis, Correa, Turner, and Brandon Crawford. But Adamas had 20 home runs in that stretch. Like that's like, I think that's the third most among uh, short stops during that time. It's, I mean, he was just a, completely different player hit eighty-five. everything's different i'm all about that as opposed to a guy who like in the same time span had similar like power speed numbers which is dan's swanson but hit for 30 less points of batting average and that makes a big difference
0: yeah uh and before we move on just want to mention since we mentioned uh the astros uh keep an eye out for jeremy pena a uh, power speed guy who's probably going to be the starting shortstop uh, if uh, Correa doesn't come back to the Astros. So just keep him on your watch list.
1: Yeah, he's going to be a guy that – I mean, this happens every year. There's this player that's like, look, he's he's a guy that's a sleeper for me because he looks like he's going to play. Mm-hmm. And, and like, honestly, if you want to look at – don't make this a comp. This is not a comp. Uh, even though Jeremy Pena, I believe, is like their number one prospect right now. Uh, but anyway, the this is not a comp, 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 it's not a comp, but this Mm -hmm. is not a comp, but Mm -hmm. this is very much a situation like we saw Jonathan India come out of last year. Mm -hmm. A, a, A situation where if they don't re sign Correa, um, Pena's. Gonna play. Yes, there's other guys that could step in, maybe. Well, a ledmus Diaz could play mm. short, like Bregman could move to short in a pinch, so that you know, maybe Taylor Jones or Ledmus Diaz can go play in the corner infield or something. Right. Um, there's a couple moving parts. I think this team is gonna make some moves still. Uh, I just don't I- I'm not certain that they really count on Chaz McCormick coming into the season hmm. and, and being their starting center fielder. Uh, I, I just don't know exactly how that would work. But anything's possible. But yeah, Jeremy Pena is a guy who, again, you should think about, not because, again, he's some sleeper you got to have. It's just if he has that job and no one comes in to take it from him, he can do something with it, mm-hmm. right? He can be a tw- 15 to 20 home run guy with 10 stolen bases. Definitely. And that's yeah. something. That's not nothing. Now mm-hmm. in a 12-teamer, it's kind of nothing, but it's not entirely nothing mm-hmm. for a guy who, God, where is he even, where is he even being drafted? Uh, his min pick is 297 so not drafted
0: right, right. <laughs> in
1: a Yahoo League he's not mm-hmm. drafted
0: but if you're in a 30 if you know a, a league where you're uh, drafting 30 rounds want to make him one of your last picks take a chance uh, especially if it looks like like you mentioned that he's gonna be the starting guy there or at least it's getting great, you know,
1: yeah. I mean it's a great draft and hold pick yeah it, it's a great pick for you know really deep rosters like the like deep dynasties and stuff like that I, I think it's a great player to be aware of mm-hmm uh, so that you can be that half step ahead when they're all yep. watching Jed Lowry be hot in April for no reason again, for the bazillionth time <laughs> right. you'll be like, Oh yeah, I did look into Jeremy Pena a little bit and he had, a, you know, maybe he had a good spring yeah, and it, you know, something to keep watching and you're not wasting your time with the noise of here we go again, Jed Lowry
2: right,
1: or, you know, some very random play like a, like a Harold Castro goes on a hot streak for two weeks. Like, who cares? Yeah. I mean, Harold Castro cares. His family cares. The Detroit Tigers yeah, his mom care. is very uh, proud as a, of as him. A fan, as a fan yeah. of the Tigers, I care. But for fantasy purposes, I don't. Right. I, I want to focus my attention on guys who could make an impact. Right. And Jeremy Pena is a guy who could be very relevant – as an injury replacement sort of player or like a middle infielder and in like that ESPN or NFBC style league, even if it's only 12 teams, mm-hmm. there's an opportunity there. That's, that's what I'm looking at paying you for. He's going to be on my watch list like immediately.
0: Yeah. 291, 371, 444, triple slash and three minor league seasons. Yeah. Hit, Who's a guy hit. that could do something good that I could add for zero
1: to $1. Hmm. It's a very short list. Jerry, Jeremy Pena looks like the
0: whole list currently. <laughs> right, right. Well, there's another guy I'll mention later that uh, i kind of interested in, but uh, let's take a quick break right here. And when we come back, we'll uh, discuss some of the shortstops who are part of uh, Scott's fifth and sixth tiers. And uh, maybe we'll mention that sleeper that uh, I mentioned before, but we'll be right back.
3: And
0: we're back. Joe Galina and Scott Chu breaking down the fantasy baseball shortstop position. We're up to tier five. Uh, interesting tier. A lot of, in my opinion, a lot of uh, middle infield uh, potential here. You know, if you play in a league where you're starting uh, a middle infielder, uh, this tier starts off with Jake Cronenworth, uh, number 17, uh, number 18, Dansby Swanson, Number 19, Brendan Rodgers. Number 20, your guy, Eugenio Suarez, right? 21, Chris Taylor. Uh, 22, Luis Urias. Uh, 23, some guy that's getting some buzz, O'Neill Cruz, prospect for the Pirates. Uh, 24, Gleber Torres, who's uh, going to be playing a second base for the Yankees, but uh, shortstop eligible. Um and uh, 25th, you know, when I started looking at Ahmed Rosario's numbers, I was surprised at how good a season he actually had. <laughs> Twenty six. we talk about Brandon Crawford having a basically a career year at 34 years old, and, and that rounds out uh, the fifth tier. Interesting tier, man. It's huge. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because now, now it's just guys.
1: It, in a 12-team context, we're starting to get to the point where – You know, I probably could have split this tier in half around Chris Taylor if I really wanted to. But at some point I kind of get to the in a in a Yahoo 12 teamer where if you go to the rankings and you see the assumptions we're making, it's the Yahoo standard 12 teamer Um, in that format. There's, you know, do I really like, yeah, Chris Taylor's safe, but he's also fringy in terms of like being a v- super useful player in that particular format. So I don't mind swinging for the fences on a guy like O'Neill Cruz or Glaber Torres, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason Jonathan VR sneaks into the back of these rankings. And it's because if he goes and finds a starting job, he can go back to stealing bases and hitting for power again. Right. Everything else is a wild variable, but he could do something. Right. And, and that that's meaningful. That, that could be valuable to somebody in a league he could be added in a 12 teamer he could be relevant in a 12 teamer um, but you know we're very quickly getting to the point where the paths to being a viable 12 team starter are slimmer and slimmer and slimmer to the point mm-hmm. where a lot of these guys can only really attain that for a couple of weeks to a couple of months at a time but my guy out of it is Suarez of all things um and I know it's just me the strikeout rates aren't always good but he's still gonna hit in the middle of a lineup that's still pretty good he's still going to be in you know one of baseball's best home run hitting environments be really the best one outside of Colorado uh certainly the best in the midwest and you know I I I like all of those things about Eugenio Suarez yeah. And he's corner and middle field el- eligible in those deeper leagues. And again, he just has you know, is it other than Fernando? Like take Fernando Tatis Jr. like sort of out of the equation. How surprised would you be to hear that Eugenio Suarez led shortstop eligible players in home runs?
0: I would not very be surprised. Well, other than Fernando yeah. Tatis, very possible. Forty home runs is always a possibility for Mister Suarez. Ah! Yeah, I mean, September it, 370 batting average, eight home runs, 13 RBI was what, terrible. What the three <laughs>
1: things I got right last year. One <laughs> yes. of the three things. Yes. I said, watch out because he's heating up. And then he heated up. Mm-hmm. It was great. It made it look like I know something about baseball and I don't, but for a second, there was like this illusion that I did mm-hmm. and, and that was important. Don't sell yourself short. Well, I mean, that's all I do. It, it's, mm-hmm. it's very much, it's very on brand and that's okay. But again, you know, I'm looking at, for example, right now, the bad X projections for, for second base and, or for shortstop. And again, you you sort of see some of the same things we saw before, except, wow, the bad X is really low on Boba Chet, but otherwise it's like, we're getting to that point where the dollar values like just sort of drop off. If you look at the bad X uh, or even, you know. ATC, all of them, you look at the dollars and you see it's like, oh, it's in the teens, it's in the teens. Okay, now we transition to like 13, 13, 12, 11, 11, 10, 9, 9, 8, 4, 3, 3, 2, 1, 1, 0, negative 3, negative. Like, so we've already, this is the point. There's, there's a breaking point in here where players have really like a ton of volatility, either with playing time or performance or both. And we just have to group them all together. Hmm. um yeah so suarez suarez is different than those guys though because he could actually lead this position in a stat he Potential, he be like really yes. good i i believe um the bad x projects him to finish second among uh shortstop eligible players in home runs like it's tatis and then suarez and Simeon, and then mm-hmm. who else leads this position in home runs it's tatis and then yeah. if it's not Tatis, it's got to be like Suarez or Semyon. Maybe yeah. Trevor Story, depending on where he goes. So, I mean, that's really where everything to me comes together. No. I, that's why I like him as that that last ditch sort of thing.
0: But you're not saying you would uh, you know, consider him as your starting shortstop? Oh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, Not in a, tw- in a 12-teamer? God, no. I just want to make sure that we're on the same page yeah. here. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. yeah no. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Is no, there no, anyone no, no. In here in this tier that, let's say if you're in a situation like I mentioned in, in my mock where, hey, you know, all of a sudden, uh-oh, <laughs> you know, I, I forgot to take my shortstop. Anyone in this tier? I mean, you know, look, I look at Jake Cronenworth and, you know, the guy stole – had a couple of seasons in the minor leagues where he stole 20 stolen bases. Now he's going to be playing for Bob Melvin, former uh, manager for the A's, right? M- maybe he has a 10 stolen base season in him. Maybe, you know, Bob Melvin, famous for letting uh, guys like Stanley Marte run like crazy, right? You know, uh, Cronenworth, yeah, maybe a 275, 20, you know, 23, maybe 25 home run season. I mean, maybe, yeah. right? He's not like particularly
1: fast. So I'd be surprised if he ran that much, but he could. I, Dinos, I he had a
0: couple of 20 stolen base seasons in the minor leagues, but I, I guess, that doesn't always mean that you're fast, right? I guess. Right. <laughs> Run, running in the minors is, you know,
1: stealing candy from a baby if right. you really yeah. want it to be. So like his sprint speed actually is a lot better than I thought it was. Cronenworth's a little quicker um, than I gave him credit for. I, I, you know, I know this because they keep saying it on The Athletic, but the most – like the most important correlation between stolen bases is actually not sprint speed; it's speed to first. And mm-hmm. I'm not entirely sure how to get that right this second, but yeah, like stolen more stolen bases would be cool, I guess. Uh, his yeah, value if he,
0: if he's a a 20, 25 homer ten stolen base guy with a two seventy five two eighty average, you know, I mean, not bad. Still, you know, for, in, for this late in the draft, for where he's going yeah. in drafts.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, though, he has a total of seven stolen bases and 835 played appearances. Hmm. So, like, we're we're asking him to change a lot. I think that this tier isn't the same as the tier that exists in reality when you look at ADP. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the reality, like, so, and that's how I like to do this. I like to look at my ranks, and then I like to look at the ADP to tell me, like, I don't have to answer the question necessarily based on my ranks. I have to answer the questions based on the ADP. The mm-hmm. ADP is more likely to tell me the probability of this player. Like it's like the it's sort of a way. Like the way I think about it is the probability that this player goes like is the next player taken. Most of the time, it goes Adamus, Chris Taylor, Torres, Urias, Roger. Like Adamus is after these guys, and I like him better. Mm-hmm. Right? I would definitely want. Willie really Adamus there. So, like, I don't really worry about Jake Cronenworth because I'd rather have Adamus. Right. I don't really worry about Dansby Swanson because I'd rather have Adamus. And ADP suggests I'll be able to do that.
0: Right. O'Neill Cruz, you have him ahead of uh, Gleba Torres. And I'm looking at Cruz 242 ADP and Fantasy Pros consensus rankings, 224 in an NFBC. And Gleba Torres uh, has a a 149 in Fantasy Pros and a 150 in NFBC. Now, I'm not going to, you know, I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm not going to defend Gleyber Torres or whatnot, but uh, pretty ambitious on your part, though, to rank O'Neal Cruz ahead of Torres uh, since O'Neal Cruz has, uh, you know, played two games in the bigs. Had that one hit where everybody talked about 118.2 exit velocity, don't get me wrong, and has a good power-speed combination, but uh, I guess it just shows how far Gleyber Torres has fallen. You know what gets my attention when Steamer and Zips
1: both project a hundred. You know, Steamer says one hundred and twelve games, Zip says eighty three, uh, and they project somewhere between seventeen to twenty one home runs and fourteen to fifteen stolen bases, yeah. and a batting average between two seventy and two
0: eighty. Yeah, very impressive. Do I think? Uh, do I think
1: that's what's going to happen? I don't know. Probably Mm -hmm. not. That seems really aggressive, especially when the bat is so much more negative Mm -hmm. (laughs) than those. It's really interesting to see two projection systems take such different approaches. Uh, And and it's sort of why, like, you see ATC in the middle, because ATC is more of an aggregate than it is a projection. It, like, takes all the other projections and aggregates them together. Ariel Mm -hmm. Cohen does it. He does a really nice job with it. Yeah.
0: No, great job. Definitely.
1: But again, like, in a 12 team league, I'll take this chance probably before I take the boring chance on Glaber Torres.
2: Mm-hmm. Cause
1: Oh, Neil Cruz could really give me something that I can't really find in the draft at this stage. And Torres doesn't right. Like realistic. I mean, Torres could be like a 2010 guy, like a 20 home run, 10 stone base guy with okay. Counting numbers and turn into like, I mean, wh- where's his ceiling? It's certainly, I mean, I guess it's what we saw a few years ago, but God, that feels like 2019 looks like the outlier, doesn't it?
0: Definitely. Yes.
1: It looks like the one Mm -hmm. that doesn't fit.
0: Yeah. One of these things is not like the others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So like it doesn't fit. And I, I mean, I think that the projections on here are actually pretty good um, for what to expect from him, which is fine, but it's also like a top 20, like it's a barely top 20.
2: Yeah. I, I think that
0: these projections for Torres are a little bit too ambitious. I mean, yeah, they're, I mean, you know, they're aggressive and they're yeah.
1: still, they're still like, uh, like he's like a fringy top 20 shortstop because of how deep that position is. Yeah. Yeah. If he does all those things, he's still fringy. Mm-hmm. Like, let me see, like steamer is the one that likes him the best. Like they're the ones that believe in him the most. And even they don't put him in as a starter. Right. at shortstop uh they have him at 14th he just misses
2: mm-hmm.
1: right um and you know who they have right behind him o'neill cruz <laughs>
0: <laughs> ironic <laughs> and right?
1: then javi baez that tells mm-hmm. you a lot about how about how the shortstop position works right now it's it's that deep that like they could put a guy i have in like tier three and they rank him 16th mm-hmm. it's not even that crazy that's, I mean, that's just the crazy depth, and also meaning that, like, it's also sort of top heavy that way because there ain't no way that um, some of these guys, like DD Gregorius, there's no way he outperforms those guys if they yeah. play the same number of games. It just doesn't happen. So that's why, like, all of a sudden you're going to realize at shortstop, you're like out of options, Didi. and that's why Eugenio's I talk about Eugenio Suarez is that last one for me to take. Yeah, that last, that last one where I can be like, all right, this this feels fine. You know, not as my starter necessarily, but like, you know what I can do, you know, this is fine. If, if this is, if this is my backup for third and you know, if this is my backup slash corner and middle infielder, who's, you know, he's always going to be in one of those two spots. This is good. Hmm. And he can be a shortstop replacement in a pinch or a third base replacement in a pinch because third base is short. Like it's just shallow by comparison. It's,
2: right.
1: it's also weirdly construction constructed. So I like that he plays both positions. And he's one of very, very few players to have both. In fact, I think it's just like he and Urshela and Urias have, in my ranks, I think, that have that third base eligibility, which is so important because of how weird that position is.
0: Hey, you mentioned Didi. He's not on your top 30, and he shouldn't be. But uh, since you mentioned him, he's the guy that I I think is... is kind of teeter-tottering uh, on uh, losing his job. Phillies made no bones about it that, uh, you know, they really like Bryson Stott. And I, I like him too. 475 ADP uh, when I looked in, in NFBC leagues. Um, somebody an, – another guy almost like, like Peña – uh, but, uh, on, you know, we're not sure that Stott's going to have as much playing time to start the season as uh, Jeremy Pena that we spoke about earlier. But this guy, Bryson Stott, very good hit tool uh, in uh, two minor league seasons, batting 298 with a 390 OBP and a 488 slug. Uh, powers with some speed combination, too. But, um, you know, you got to like him if he does eventually get an everyday job uh, hitting in a a nice uh, hitter's ballpark in Philadelphia.
1: Yeah, yeah, he it's not bad. One of the things I like to do uh, when you get down to this part of the position is that you're no longer drafting for a shortstop, right? You're often draft, I mean, you might be, but what's more likely is that you're drafting for a stat or two or playing time. So when I look at like the bottom of these ranks, I look for a guy who's down there that I'm like, oh, I could really use the stats this guy has. I should target this as a as a sort of last pick kind of player, right? Like a uh, uh, Andres Jimenez. If he finds a full time job, he can definitely go double digit home runs and like you know twenty stolen bases. The batting average won't be great and the slugging won't be great, but mm-hmm. he could definitely do it. Right right like so that's that's someone i look at i actually look at someone who was talked about on our show when she came on uh taylor walls so i don't yeah, think yeah. he can put up a good batting average but he does have speed he could run the the rays certainly aren't above playing some weird form of small ball because they're mm. willing to do some weird form of just about anything right so they did option him to triple a like around the end of the season but uh, he hit really well throughout the minors, um, putting, you know, weight, weighted runs created plus is just always good. The, I mean, in triple a, he had 222 plate appearances and an 18% walk rate. Like he was just walking like crazy. It's just, there's no power, but there is speed. And and I'll take that because in a, you know, in a world where he sometime somehow carves, you know, due to injuries and all these other things, if he carves out 120 games, he could steal 20 bases And that's valuable in deep leagues. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's at all on the 12 team radar other than as like a one week streamer for steals or something weird. But you know, when you're, when you're shooting for like the home run, like the home run sort of ticket at shortstop, I I think that you're right. Like you really have to be targeting like earlier guys. Like you Mm -hmm. have to be looking at an O'Neal Cruz Uh, To make that big impact because that name that's like somewhere, you know, there's not a name outside the top. Heck, even outside the top, like, see, outside the top 20. I'm not sure there's a name outside the top 15 that I would say has a real shot at the top five next Mm.
2: year. So you can't play
1: that game. Like, who outside the top 15 could finish in the top five of the position? Like, none. I really don't think. Maybe Correa, who is fifteenth, like maybe Adamus, if he somehow stays the the Brewers' version permanently, but like that's a lot of good things have to happen for yeah. for that. And so I just don't, I just don't see it.
0: And just to give a credit, when you you mentioned Taylor Walls, it was when Shelly V came on our our, our uh, podcast.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, there was a reason he was because he was the shortstop that came up when we yeah, thought it yeah. was going to be Wander Franco. Yeah, uh, it was worth paying attention to. He is he's strong defensively, but his you know his bat just isn't really there. His batting average is terrible, mm-hmm. but you know he does he does field the position quite well, and and he's got an okay hit tool. Uh, not like the strikeouts were still too high. I think he can adjust on the breaking balls, but there's. There's a good player in there. We just have to see see if the Rays can get it out, or even if they care to. Mm-hmm. That's the weird that. thing about the Rays. They might they might not care. They might be like, uh, you know, yeah, you could be better, but we don't need you to be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What we they, just need what, you to do the thing we asked. not
0: he giving him time in the outfield too? Obviously, because uh, or, or am I thinking of Vidal Bruhan? Oh,
1: Bruhan, like he'll he'll play in the outfield. Yeah, yeah. don't like. I'd be surprised if. Yeah, no. So Walls played some second. Mm-hmm. But mostly just short. That's I mean, that's really the type of player that he is. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, they they mix and match well, they, their they get rid of Joey so Wendell
0: much. too, So maybe that could be his uh role this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, he yeah. only played 54 games last season after he came up late. Mm-hmm. Uh and I mean it's not like he gave his team a lot of reasons to keep him up there. Mm-hmm. He he had a two eleven batting average and a two ninety-six slug. Right? Like not a lot of reasons, (laughs) but you know, it is 80 WRC plus is
0: still better than rude. Ned friggin odor. So oh, no, let's not talk about him again, <laughs> but he's got a job. So why not Taylor? Walls? There you go. Why not
1: Taylor? Walls. <laughs> At least Anybody I knows? could use him in fantasy for something. Yes. Not rude. Ned friggin O'Dor.
0: <laughs> Anybody else in this, uh, these, these last couple of tiers that you want to talk about? Uh, I was surprised we're going real late on this podcast, but, um, Ahmed Rosario, I was surprised at uh, his numbers. I mean, you know, he was always a, a considered a top prospect for the Mets, but uh, now he's a guardian. I, I think he has a shot for 15 home runs and 20 stolen bases this season. He was 13 for 13 on stolen bases last season.
1: Yeah, I mean, sure. Why? Why? Why, why not? not? <laughs> why not? Like he's uh, better I mean, than he, Runyon O'Dor. No, I mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he is. So, they, so they've got him, the 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 lineup for Cleveland. Just falls off a cliff. Yeah. It is really, I mean, it is Straw Rosario, J Ram, Fran Mil Reyes, and then just a big steaming pile of not what I want for a major league team, right? Bobby Bradley, Stephen Kwan. I don't know who that is. <laughs> uh, Andres Jimenez, who, you know, was part of the trade with Ahmed Rosario. They have him yeah. batting seventh. Uh, Austin Hedges, the catcher, and then Bradley Zimmer, who I keep forgetting is still in the league. Mm. And then on the bench is also Sandy Leone
0: three or four years ago. Yeah, (laughs) Yu (laughs) Chang,
1: Owen Miller, and Oscar Mercado. Like this offense is—it's just awful. It is—it is terrible. There's not—I mean, there's Nolan Jones, uh, who's who I think is interesting. Uh, they have a couple other like infielders that are coming up that are, that are interesting players, a couple top 100 type prospect guys, uh, you know, one outfielder and George Valera. But I mean, this team's offense is really bad. Mm-hmm. And so that's really where I struggle because like the counting stats are going to be really hard to come by for everyone, not named like Jose Ramirez and Fran Mel Reyes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Uh, so like, then what do you do? And I'm not sure I have the answer to that question. Although it is weird to think that Jose Ramirez is one of the oldest players on this team.
0: Is he 30 yet? No. No? Okay.
1: Austin Hedges is slightly older in terms of the starting lineup. He's older Mm. by a month.
0: Right.
1: And he's also, he's older than everyone on the bench except for non-roster invitee Sandy Leone, who's a a backup slash emergency catcher. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's a it's a young it's a rebuilding team, folks. They are, they are in that process, and it's going to be a while. Um, But no, I mean, again, Rosario hitting second. If he can just have an okay batting average, uh, plate appearances matter. You know, plate appearances aren't a stat, but they lead to stats. Yes, and so you know, I I like you know, Miles Straw. If he can get on base decently, Ahmed Rosario could could drive him in more than once. Uh, there's there's talent. There's some there. speed on
0: this team, like you mentioned, Mercado could steal some bases.
1: Yeah, uh, if, Schraer, if he plays.
0: Yeah, if he plays. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and like who knows about Stephen Kwan? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a mystery to me. Right, <laughs> he's the team's forty seventh overall prospect. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had really good numbers in the minors last year.
0: Mm, okay, he
1: crushed it. I mean, in Double A, he had a one fifty nine WRC plus with a 10% walk rate and a 10% strikeout rate in triple a, uh, he had an 11.7% walk rate and a 6.7% strikeout rate. Uh, and he hit 300 with a 500 slug. I mean, he crushed. I again have never heard of him ever, but I guess now I know now I he's have. a
0: sleeper. <laughs> now, now I've heard of him. There you go. Yeah. Very. And, impre- I'm looking at his stats. Very impressive. Yes.
1: And Oh, look at Yeah. What do you know? Uh, Oh, this is what a great way to end the show. Uh, Alex Chamberlain wrote him up back in October. Who's he? Who's the first player he compares him to uh, in terms of um, of two hundred and seventy? Again, this is Alex Chamberlain. He wrote this in uh, in October about Stephen Kwan. He says he's one of uh, of two hundred and seventy five hitters with at least eight hundred plate appearances since the start of twenty nineteen. Kwan boasts the following accolades: he is one of just two hitters with more walks than strikeouts. The other being. Isak Paredes of the Tigers.
0: Oh wow, yeah. you talked you talked him up last week.
1: Yeah, love mm-hmm. Isak. So so there it is. That's how we're closing the show. Uh, Talking about a tiger. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. On my end, I mean, you yeah, can yeah. do whatever you're going to do, but <laughs> I'm I'm finding a way to end it with Isak Paredes every single time somehow. But well, at least yeah.
0: you didn't mention Akil Badu. But uh, <laughs> wow, well, I mean,
1: give me a, give me a reason, just, <laughs> just friggin' make me, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right,
0: well, we were supposed to talk shortstops. So we end on uh, the uh, center fielder for the for the Guardians. I was almost called them the other name, uh, which I wonder how many times I'm going to do this season. But great stuff as oh. always, there, Scott. Great talking to you. Thanks for sharing your wisdom about baseball. And that's going to slam the lid on things for today. And uh, we'll be uh, next week. We got to, we have to do it, Scott. We have to talk third base, even though we don't want to. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I've got to,
1: I've got to, you know, make the hitter list. And do all the rankings for all the positions. Yeah. So pl- plenty more. And one uh, of the
0: positions is third base, right? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So this this is great prep yeah. for something yeah. I should have done a week and a half ago.
0: <laughs> so our next show uh, should drop next Wednesday, February twenty third. Don't forget to follow me at Joe Galina. Follow Scott at If the Chew Fits. Uh, follow our podcast at hacks and jacks pl if there's anything specific that you'd like us to cover please reach out to us and let us know subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to your podcasts leave us a nice review and as always we hope that all of your fantasies become realities and we'll see you next time